So, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to pretend that they should listen to Nick. Okay. We're going to try to make people believe that. That he's listenable. He's listenable, right. Reputable. Reputable. Trustworthy. Articulate, trustworthy. A godly Anointed, man. Anointed, godly man. All the stuff that they want to hear about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You guys have any ideas how we about. should introduce Nick? <laughs> guys, let's put your hands together for Nikki frickin' Nielsen. Huh? Guys, Nick's gonna speak. <laughs> guys, give it up for Nikki. Nikki Nielsen, huh? You, you go sides? first. No. <laughs> I don't know what to say. No, just do it. I'll be your hand. <laughs> that was what we did all the time. In fact, I'm getting a little verklempt right now. I'm just, grab my lip, grab my lip. I'm just, it's tough right now to talk about him because he's just such a great man of God and he's going to deliver the word of God for all of you guys. And so, <laughs> okay. fun for me. I don't know. You guys might be miserable. I think your hands are a bit low. All right. Nick, means a lot to us that you're here, man. More than I think we could put into words, just to be honest. But I don't know, I can't get heartfelt on cameras in advance. I'm an in-the-moment guy. Carson, we've tried nine times to do a serious intro. But it's never worked out. No, it hasn't worked out. And when Nick comes on stage at all of our campuses... I'll be Nick. All right. Ready? So I'll be Nick. You're, okay, wait, hold on. Hey, yeah, hold on, you gotta, you gotta look cooler, because oh. Nick's way cooler. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, try it again. Ready? Yep. Nick Nielsen, everyone. Hey. Oh, my God! Hey. It's Nick Nielsen, hey. the man of God, the man of the hour! He's the word of God. Red Rocks Church, from the bottom of our hearts, one of our best friends in the entire world, can you guys give this man an incredible Red Rocks incredible. Church welcome, Nick Nielsen. Oh man. Oh. That's what I've had to deal with for years, guys, right there. And I pray for you, because that's what you have to deal with all the time, week after week. Oh, man, I can't. I, have, I was just telling the guys in the back, I have so many stories of those two. From the moment uh, I gave my life to Christ, we've just, we, we've just been best friends. And to see um, them grow and to see them take leaps of faith here in Denver and, and uh, to watch them, you know, lead their families and watch them have kids and now see this church and see it grow, like... To be here and to witness it as a friend is one thing, but also um, from one pastor to another pastor and from one church in Houston to a church here in Denver, like it's truly an honor to be here. And uh, I, just, I just really respect and appreciate your leaders. And uh, it takes a lot of sacrifice and commitment to come out in the middle of Denver, in the, you know, just in the middle of nowhere and just believe God to do something big. And uh, a road that was... Um, you know, least traveled and uncharted territory for sure, but you had pastors that believed God was going to do something special in and through this group of people here in the city of Denver. And so real quick, can you just celebrate and honor your pastors because Pastor Sean and Pastor Chad are absolutely phenomenal. Come on, give them a big, huge round of applause in all the locations. You have phenomenal pastors here. And, and what's crazy is they've asked me, I, I feel like the weird uncle in a way, I, I've, I've spent some time with, with the youth ministry, with the young adult ministry over the years, and, and now as a church body, and as a church family, you guys have, have began a series called Heritage, if I'm not mistaken, that Pastor Sean launched a few weeks back. And they've asked me to come and speak right in the middle of it. 
And uh, coming from Houston and, and coming from Lakewood Church there in the, in the heart of Houston, um, a lot of people see Lakewood Church as this huge congregation. Pastor Joel Osteen is, is my pastor and 45,000 people, this huge church in America. Uh, I, a lot of people see that, but little they realize that Lakewood Church started over 50 years ago with 90 people in a feed store. 90 people showing up in a rundown feed store, sweeping the floors, and believing God would do something significant through them. It was built on the sacrifice of many, not the gifts of a few. And I can see God unfolding a similar story here in the heart of Denver, where this church began in, a, in an odd building called Heritage Square, and now look what God's done. And I believe God's about to push you and open doors into some new territory that I believe I'm called to just speak into and to push you and to speak life and to speak passion and to speak vision into you. You're here for such a time. So I don't think it's by chance that here I come from uh, a story that God has written in Houston to a story that God is writing here in Denver, and they have a common theme. And so I hope you lean in with a little bit of expectation today uh, on what God is speaking, not only to this church as a family, but you personally what your role is and what what it is that God wants you to do in the midst of this story. And so with that being said, I'm going to ask you if you could just stand your feet. That would be awesome. Everyone stand your feet. Uh, That would be great. I want to introduce you to my family. Is that okay? So I kind of feel like family with with many of you. I've been around and and you've heard me speak here in different avenues, but I I want to introduce you to my family. If if this is your first time seeing this crazy dude up here on the platform, I want to introduce you to my family uh, all the way from Houston. They're going to be on the screens here. Uh, My son, Denver, his name is Denver, folks. So he just gets hopefully an extra loud applause because that is my legendary son right there. And he is five years old. And he's just a legend. Look at the kid. I mean, he's just amazing. And uh, I'm his t-ball coach, so I'm, I'm really praying that my salvation remains as uh, I, I'm trying to coach five-year-old boys and trying to keep their attention span. Uh, and, yeah, I just love him. We're working on his 40-yard dash time as well for the NFL Combine someday. So <laughs> believe him for that. Um, next picture you'll see are my, are my girls. This, these are the ladies of my life right there, man. Wow. Fellas, when you serve Jesus, that's the reward right there. That's my wife, Summer. We've been married 11 years, and uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, yeah I, I don't deserve her at all, and she's just amazing, and she's awesome. And that's my baby girl, Haven. Uh, she is nine years old, and she wants to be an actress slash singer, so uh, Summer took her to the Taylor Swift concert, which is where that picture was taken. And there's a lot of drama in the house right now, so pray for me, fellas especially. Pray for me. Um, that's my world right now. But my, I miss them, but I wanted to introduce you because I believe you're a byproduct of those closest to you. And so that's, that's my fam, and uh, I just, I'm just so honored to be here. If you have your Bibles while you're standing, can you pull them out? If they're on your phone, pull them out. If you didn't bring a device or a Bible, that's, that's okay. Um, we're going to look in Romans chapter 12, and while you're standing, we're just going to stand while we read it. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, um, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go into some uncharted territory today, and, and I believe God's going to speak something specific to you. Is that cool? Romans 12, 2. If you got it, say, I got it. it. If you need more time, say, hold up. Okay, that's cool. We'll wait. All locations, keep looking. Keep, keep, Keep looking. Keep trying to find it. We'll wait. 
How does it feel being Super Bowl champions? I mean, does it feel good? Does it feel good? And I'm not bitter at all. At all. I'm actually a Chicago Bear fan. So, really? There are Bear fans here. Seriously? If you're a Bear fan, make some noise for me. Just, just for me. Okay. Thank you. Go Bear. The Bears. No. Packer fan, heresy. You're not welcome here at this church anymore. Just kidding. Romans 12 too. Here we go. I think it's going to be on your screens as well. We're going to check it out together here. This is Paul. Now understand the context of this. If you haven't read the Bible a whole lot, this is, this is the Apostle Paul. He is writing to the city of Rome that are getting pressured from every, every side of culture at this time. It's a very metropolitan, it's a very uh, influenced city. There, there are different types of people that are, that, are, that are coming into this city, and the believers are a small minority who are trying to maintain the very values and essence of, of the gospel in the midst of a very evolving culture around them. You could say they're, they're very much like the, this church called Red Rocks, right in the heart of Denver, which is evolving and changing, okay? So Paul is writing to the, to the believers in Rome, and this is what he says to the believers in Rome. Don't be conformed, meaning don't adjust or don't adapt. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. You know this world has patterns, huh? Has patterns on how we do friendship, has patterns on, on how we handle our money, this, this world, the world around you, has patterns on, uh, you know, how to climb the corporate ladder. It has patterns on how to be successful. It has patterns on how to handle your money and how to seek promotion. It has all different kinds of patterns. And Paul is saying here to the church, don't be conformed to these patterns, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And I thank you that today we get the opportunity with other believers and friends and maybe even individuals who are here for the first time today, and we can lean into your presence, lean into your word, and believe that in a moment, Jesus, you can change us, that you, only you, can transform us from the inside out. And so today, that's my prayer, is that yes, we've all come in in different places in our faith, but that we would leave better, that we would leave here today more like you, Jesus, stirred up for more of the things that your heart stirs for. So God, speak to us today in a profound way, in Jesus' name, and all the crazy Red Rocks family said, amen. Amen. Can you clap and applause and shout and scream if you love your Bible and if you think it's relevant? I like to have fun in church. I like to get excited in church. So in every location, just yell, scream, do what you have to do. You may be seated. So I, I, I do, I, I'm passionate about, about what I do. I'm passionate about Jesus. I didn't grow up in the church. I got saved when I was 18, and, and my whole family got saved after that. God's done a great work. And so if I get up here and I start sweating and I start spitting like on the front row and stuff, I, I'm just going to tell you I apologize already. I, this is just my life. And I'm excited about the Bible. I'm excited about what God is doing. And honestly, I'm excited about what is, what is happening in our midst here this weekend. God is doing something special. If, if you're taking notes, which hopefully you are, if you didn't bring anything, any device to take notes, it's okay. You can just grab a pen and give a tattoo on someone's arm and just, just write, write down this title and maybe a few things that, that maybe 
you know, hit your heart and where you're at in your life, but you can just title today, Rebel. Just rebel. That, that's, that's the goal today, is we're going to rebel. Because there, there's, there's pressures and there's, there's a crowd all around us. Whatever your crowd looks like, it doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter what part of the city you live in. It doesn't matter your economic background. It doesn't matter if you work in a, in a high rise or you work in a factory. At the end of the day, you have a crowd around you that can easily sway you and can easily push you towards things that are, that are very uh, much not the heart of Jesus. And I face those pressures and you face those pressures as a believer every day. I remember going on a trip to New York City recently and I had a, I had a ticket that had a connecting flight in Atlanta. So I'm flying from New York City we stop in Atlanta, I get off the plane in Atlanta, and I'm on my phone, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but I'm just kind of following the crowd that's coming off the plane before me. So I, I kind of I have a, a method where I just spot a person that was on the plane with me, and I'm going to follow where they go to the baggage claim. Anyone ever done that before? So I'm like, okay, girl in the red shirt, I'm going to follow her, she's going to take me right where I need to go. And I get caught up in following this crowd that is exiting the airplane that I kind of forget in the moment that I have a connecting flight. So I, I'm on my phone and I'm kind of texting my wife and I'm giving her the emojis and I'm like, ooh, girl, you look good and you're hot like fire and like the little, the little heart face things and I'm, I'm going like that and all of a sudden I'm, I'm realizing that I'm walking onto a tram and, and I'm getting on this like train and, and I believe like this, this train, I'm like, man, this train's probably taking me uh, to the baggage claim or it's taking me somewhere. Like all the people that I was on the plane with, they're getting on this train, so I'm going to get on. And then all of a sudden it stops and everyone exits. So I'm still, again, on my phone, very distracted, and I'm getting off the train. And I realize when I like get off my phone and look up that I'm completely on the other side of the airport. And my connecting flight's gate is like 30 minutes on the other side of the airport. And I'm looking around and I'm trying to find like an airport worker to, to tell me like, where's the connecting flight to Houston? Like I am on the opposite side of the airport and I need to get over there. Long story short, after a long run to the other side of the airport, I missed the flight. Oh, I know. It was, it was a rough five hour wait then to catch the next flight to Houston. This is my point. Oftentimes I feel like in life, we can easily get distracted with the crowd. And we can allow the culture at work or the culture in our neighborhood or even the culture in our family and the, the popular opinion to sway us from living out the calling that God has for our life in this season. It's easy to be distracted by what everyone else is doing and we're so, we can so easily miss our destiny. It's so easy to allow the crowd to pull us away from our calling. And today, I just have a hunch that some of you are in this tension right now where you're trying to sort out your Christianity and how you're going to walk out your faith at work or in your neighborhood or in your college campus. And, and there is this tension that Paul is addressing to the believers in Rome. And he's saying, this tension is real. I face it. You're going to face it. And I want to encourage you to rebel. Do not conform to those patterns. Do not adjust to those patterns. When you said yes to following Christ, there was a little bit of an uncomfortable yes. There was a little bit of, I'm not sure, but I'm going to trust God. There was a little bit of you that said, I don't, I'm not all that quite sure about what's going to happen, but I'm going to do it afraid. 
And Paul is saying to us through the scripture today, rebel. The same way you rebelled the moment you said yes to Jesus and you stepped into a minority. If you study the scriptures, you'll you'll come to find out that the believers in every one of these cities and scenarios were the minority. And God loves to, to use the minority to influence the majority. And as soon as you stepped out and says, you know what, I may be alone in this, it may feel a little bit uncomfortable, it may be a little bit awkward, but I'm gonna embrace what Jesus has for my life. I know it's best for me, I know that I have a hope and I know I have a life in him, but it's gonna come with a cost. And it's gonna be challenging, but I wanna step out and I wanna rebel. Can I encourage you to not trust the crowds? If you look in, in, in the book of Acts, I just love watching the journey of believers through the book of Acts. You'll see Paul, the apostle Paul and Barnabas, in Acts chapter 14, you'll, you'll find them in one moment of, of, of the chapter, they're getting, they're getting like insane reviews. Five-star reviews, everyone loves them. Everyone on, on social media is talking about them. These guys are the best, these guys are awesome. You guys should go hear them. These guys are incredible. Chapters later, you'll see another crowd literally trying to stone them to death. If you look in the book of Mark, chapter 11, you'll see that Jesus trots into this city on a, on a donkey, on a colt, and everyone's laying down branches, and everyone's making this huge procession because Jesus the Messiah is walking in, and everyone's tweeting about it, and everyone's pulling out their Snapchat, and everyone's Snapchat, look how awesome Jesus is. Oh my gosh, everyone's awesome. Everyone's on Facebook talking about how awesome Jesus is. Four chapters later, that same crowd is telling Pilate to crucify him. What does that say? To me, it reminds me that You can't trust the crowds. You can't often trust popular opinion. That if crowds are gonna change and cause crazy things to take place around Paul and Barnabas, if if they're gonna change on Jesus, chances are, friends, as a believer, the crowds are gonna change around you. Welcome to church. (laughs) Aren't you glad you came to church today? I want us to go to the Old Testament. And, and there's a story here that I, that I believe just illustrates this idea of rebelling like, like no other story in the Old Testament. There's some crazy names. If you've never darkened the door of the Old Testament, it is absolutely nuts. There's crazy things in there. I just dare you to read the Old Testament and see how relevant and crazy it is. There's a story in Daniel chapter three that, that is mind blowing. Uh, of three, three young guns, three young adults that decided to rebel. These were three believers in the midst of a crazy culture that was very anti-God, anti-anything to do with Scripture, God, and these three guys are right in the middle of it. We find them actually in influential positions, the Bible tells us in Daniel 3. They're influential positions. Now, their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now say those names five times. I don't know about you, but if they're in influential positions and and those are their names, they have to be either good looking or they have to be extremely smart. Because these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? I don't know what mom was thinking, but that's their names. Not only that, but the king who is a control freak, power freak over all of Babylon at that time, his name is King Nebuchadnezzar. 
Say that five times as well. So you have King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's got a, a law that says the statue, this 90-foot statue that we've built on command, and when we command, all of Babylon must worship this statue, must worship this idol. Well, of course, these three young guns who are in influential positions, when, when the sound calls for everyone in the land to worship this, this statue, these young guns are like, no, uh-uh, we're not doing that. We only worship our God. We only worship Jehovah. We only worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's where our allegiance and faith is tied to. And they are rebelling against what everyone else is doing. I'm talking about these are CEOs, okay? These are guys who are very influential in the area. But immediately when there is a call to worship this statue, they push back. They rebel. They don't conform. They don't adjust. High price to pay. They had to consider so many things. They had to consider their family. They had to consider work. They had to consider their retirement. They had to consider their cars. They had to consider everything. And here in the midst of all the considering and all the weighing and the balances, they choose to rebel. The king finds out because if you didn't bow down to the statue, the punishment was to get thrown into a furnace. Now, I don't know about you, but we don't face those punishments these days, and I thank God that we don't here in Denver. But these guys, if they didn't worship the statue, thrown into the furnace. The king finds out that these three rebels are not doing what he's asked everyone in the land to do. So the Bible says that he turns the furnace up seven times hotter. These guys still choose to rebel. So pick up the story in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24. This is what happens. It's going to be on your screens. I'll pick it up here. He has them bound with ropes with their hands and their feet, they are completely bound. And in verse 24, it says, suddenly King Nebuchadnezzar jumped in alarm and he said, didn't we throw three men bound hand and foot into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and he called in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. How amazing is that miracle? Can we just celebrate God for the miracles that he does then and the miracles that he does now for believers? That's a miracle. And it's crazy and it may seem far-fetched, but this is the thing. He, he even has these three guys examined, and not a hair on their body was singed, the Bible says. These guys rebelled. They chose discomfort over comfort. They chose the calling over the crowd. They chose not to get distracted in their influential position. They chose to embrace and cons consistently follow after what God had called them to do. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar said this after this examination and after seeing nothing singed. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They ignored the king's orders and laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any god but their own. Two benefits from rebellion that we see from this text. Among many, 
Two benefits from rebellion. For you as a believer to stand up today, no matter where you're at in your journey, and say, you know what? I'm going to push against the norm. I'm going to push against popular opinion and what culture is telling me to do. And I'm going to live differently. I'm going to live sold out to what Jesus has for my life. Two things come with rebellion that we see in this passage. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sometimes your greatest moments of influence for God won't come in the good, but in how you walk with God through the fire. I'll say that again. Your greatest moments of influence as a believer won't be in the good mountaintop moments because people can relate to each other's successful moments. But what people really want to know is, where is your God when things don't work out the way you thought they were going to work out? Where is your God when you're going through the fire? Where is your God when what you thought was going to happen didn't quite work out as you thought? That's when they can see that you hold on to the grace and you can hold on to the strength of Jesus like never before. Where they can actually see Jesus with you in the fire. I believe that sometimes, especially in my life, yes, I pray, God, remove this this moment or, or fix this, but even more so, God, may they see you with me in this. May they see you with me in this season of my life. Because people wanna know that they can be anchored through any situation. This city is not looking for people that can be more and more successful. What they're looking for is people that can maintain hope and joy and life regardless of what comes their way. Regardless of what they face, I can smile, I can be anchored in Jesus, and I can keep pressing through. That's gonna be your moment of influence for most people around you in your circle. The second thing I think that we see added to a person when they rebel is this. I believe, I believe heaven's promotion chases down rebels. I just really believe that when someone chooses to travel the road least traveled and to do things and to pay prices many people aren't willing to pay, whether it's coming to church early and setting chairs up or greeting at the front door or willing to work in kids' ministry right now where everybody else is leaning into the message or it's serving somewhere in another country or if it's getting your hands dirty and doing things that no one else is willing to do, I believe promotion chases those types of rebels where they're embracing the discomfort of the call of Jesus that often comes. Listen to the last verse that many people miss in this story. Verse 30. I want to read it for you, and I want you to catch this. The king then promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they were already in influential position. They go through the fire. He sees God with them in the fire. They come out with not a hair singed. They're victors, not victims. And The king sees this. He hasn't said, man, I'm going to give my life to Jesus because I saw that. He gives honor to God because of it. But, But what's even crazier is he promotes them even higher than they were. And notice God didn't take them out of Babylon. Oftentimes as believers, we're like, man, I wish God would take me somewhere else where it's just more Christian and people are just worshiping more and it's just awesome and it's just easy and it's just praise God, hallelujah, all the time. And oftentimes God says, no, I need you to be light where it's very, very dark, where light shines the best. 
So I'm going to promote these three young guns right smack dab in Babylon. I'm not going to take them out. I'm not going to remove them. I'm going to promote them in Babylon. And some of you, that's what God wants to do with you, is he wants to take you through some uncomfortable situations and promote you right there in the middle of the dark places so you can shine for him like never before. Rebel. Push against comfort. Push against the patterns that this world tries to squeeze us into. And that's when you're going to make the most difference because people are looking for something fresh and something new. It's easy to go with the flow. But God is asking us today as a church to step out and rebel and go places no one's gone and trailblaze by faith to areas no one's willing to go. So what does that look like? Practically, what does that look like for us as believers? I'd say this. In a culture where everybody is seeking position and seeking quote-unquote success, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your college, university, or it's on your team, can I tell you, rebel against that desire and seek to serve. Rebel to serve. Rebel to pick up a towel every day. And look at your coworkers and look at your family members and look in your neighborhood and say, you know what? What can I do to serve? I'm not seeking position. I'm not, I'm not seeking a title or status. I'm going to rebel against that and I'm going to seek to serve. Because not a lot of people are wanting to go down that path today. Can I tell you that? That may be a newsflash for some of you, but not a lot of people wake up and go, I'm just so on Red Bull to serve today. <laughs> right? How can, I, how can I one-up you to get to the next role? How can I one-up you to get into the next position? Red Rocks, let's rebel to serve. Let's rebel to serve. Can I tell you another thing? Let's rebel to love. Let's rebel to love. In this culture, in this society where everyone's looking, especially in social media, to lift up to criticize, right? To lift up to expose, to lift up and to hate. Let's be a body of believers that runs in and covers people, runs in and loves, runs into our, our work offices and looks to silence those who are gossiping, and runs in and looks to stop the rumors and say, you know what, let's cover that person. We don't know the makings of their marriage. We don't know the makings of their, of their finances. We don't know the makings of their past. Let's run in as a believer, give them the benefit of the doubt and do what Jesus would do. He would rebel against all of that. He would pull them aside and he would cover them with love. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. My daughter's nine. And ever since she was a baby, we've tried our best to do these types of things and to instill these types of values and kind of missional things in her life to embrace. And I get the honor to take her to school often. So she'll drive in my car and she's nine, she's in the third grade and Haven's, you know, it takes us about five minutes at school. And as we're driving into the front of the school, you know, we're having dialogue and we're talking and she's just in a backseat juiced. I don't know where she gets this passion for school and education, but definitely not from me. I think she gets it from her mom, but she's excited about school. And I'm like, I never got excited about school, especially not math. And this girl is just, where did you come from? So she's just stoked, right? And I, 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 we pull up to the school. I remember stopping and it's kind of a tradition for us. And I'll, I'll look back at her. She's sitting there with little pigtails in her backpack and I'll say, hey, Haven. Hey, Haven Bear, she'll look at me. She's like ready to get out. I'm like, hey, what do Nilsons do? What do we do? Without hesitation, she puts her shoulders back and she looks at me. She goes, dad, 
We look for lonely people. We look for lonely people. I said, add a girl. Go get them. Grabs her backpack, opens the door, runs in the front entrance of the school. I don't know, three periods later, she's probably forgotten what we just talked about. <laughs> she's nine. But the reality is there are moments where she comes home, and she came home this past week. She runs in the door, throws her backpack down. Dad, guess what? What, baby? I found a lonely person. Outside in the swings during recess, her name was Peyton. And she was all alone, and no one was talking to her. And Dad, I ran up, and I said, hey, how you doing? What, what, what? Now we're like, BFFs, Dad. I'm like, awesome. You know what? She doesn't always do it. But I can tell you, from an earthly father, when my daughter comes home, in the midst of all the pressures right now, and, and even in third grade, to be cool and to be popular and to do what everyone else is doing, she's looking for lonely people? Are you kidding me? This is the essence of the gospel. This is the church. This is what we've been designed to do as a church body here in Denver, is to not sit in our chairs and listen about the love of Jesus and how it's changed our life, but it's to actually take it and take it outside of these walls and to go into every corporate office and to go into every alley and every street and every college university and say, where are the lonely people? Where are the hurting? Where are the broken? And what can we do as a church to rescue them and to love them and to show them the grace of Jesus Christ? Applaud if you agree with me. Please do something. We find lonely people. We often say at our church, we're not, a, we're not a cruise ship, we're a rescue boat. Cruise ships can get real comfortable. The buffet lines, what can I get out of this? This is real nice. But no, let's remind ourselves that as a church, we're on mission. We're not a museum for the perfect, right? We're a hospital for the hurting. Let's help people, let's rescue people, let's rebel against comfort and let's chase our calling. And the thing that God has put on your heart to chase, rebel to give. As many fight to get and to receive, rebel to be generous. I was blown away this weekend being a part of the Young Adult Conference here. And I was so moved to see young adults who are struggling, eating ramen noodles to make college financial tuition due dates, are sowing an immense amount of money to help ladies get rescued from sex trafficking in India. That's in the heartbeat of this church. You can celebrate that. That's mind-blowing. That's rebelling. That's pushing against, I, I need to get mine, I need to get mine. And that's sowing their life into something so much bigger than themselves. It's a heartbeat of Jesus. It's rebelling. It's embracing. Rebel to worship. Everything around you says, don't worship, don't lift your hands up, don't lean into the presence of God. Rebel against it and say, no matter what happens, I'm gonna to choose to worship God. No matter what happens, I'm gonna rebel and I'm gonna keep saying God is good and I'm gonna keep saying he loves me and I'm gonna keep saying he's got my best days still out in front of me and I'm gonna embrace that, amen? amen? Let's rebel today and embrace the discomfort. I talked to the young adults about rebelling to become. If you're single here today in any of our locations, I wanna encourage you, Shift your focus from finding the right person. Rebel against that and choose to focus all of your energies on becoming the right person. And watch God as you chase your purpose, bring your partner. 
Rebel against, I got to search and all the clubs and all the alleyways and all the places to find the right person. Rebel against that. Everyone's doing that. Come back and say, God, I'm going to chase your purposes for my life. I'm completely surrendered to whatever you have for me to do. And I know in due season, you're going to bring me my partner. And you watch God do Ephesians 3.20 in your life. Do above and beyond what you could possibly ask, think, or imagine. The Apostle Paul And I wrap with this sort of visual, you could say. And the worship team, you guys could actually come up if you want, begin to play. The Apostle Paul, you'd say, what drives a rebel? Like, at the heart of it, what what pushes a rebel every day? Because I want to be rebellious to this world. I I, want to take this passage of Scripture. Because if I can be honest, can I be honest? Honestly, I don't. I don't wake up every day and be like, yeah, I'm going to rebel and I'm going to serve and I'm going to rebel and I'm going to love. It's not the first thing that comes to my mind. Philippians 3, I think we have the verse. I'd like to just throw it up real quick. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul, okay? This is the same guy that is writing to the church in Rome. And he's wrote, written a lot of the New Testament. And, and this is, he could say a lot of things, right? As I focus, he could focus on a lot of things, but Paul has said, I've dumbed it all down to this one thing. This is what I focus on. If I could tell you what motivates me to rebel and what should motivate you to rebel, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. How amazing is that? You know what that tells me? That tells me he's got heaven on his mind. Right? He's thinking about heaven. If there's one thing, think about heaven. If there's one thing, understand that that you are wired for eternity. You aren't wired to just wake up, breathe, nine to five, have some kids, get married, awesome, die. You are wired for eternity. There is something in you that longs for eternity, that is compelled by eternity. This is what Paul is saying. Let's look at this rope tonight as the timeline of our existence. We're eternal beings. We are created for eternity. This here, in the scope of eternity, is your life here on earth. That's it. This is it right here. Can you see it? Way in the back. You see it? It's not a lot of time in the big scope, is it? Paul says, this is what I want you to think about. Because this, this is what we do. Man, if I could just get to right here. Man, I want to work really, really, really hard. And I want to get to right here. If I could just get right here, I'd be awesome. And then when I get to right here, I'm like, oh man, I got to work really, really, really hard. So I get to like right here, right here, right here. <laughs> How foolish is that? But we do this, don't we? And we have all of this. And, and we're, we're like so consumed with this. Oh man, if I could just get here, if I could just do that. If I could just, and it's like, really? All of our energies, all of our focus, we're so influenced by people who are living for now and living for temporal. Our relationships, our finances, our time. And Paul is saying to us today as a church, everything you do in this red, 
will be fleshed out and have direct effect in eternity. What you do here matters here. So get this right. Prioritize all of that in this. In Houston, I can just speak from Houston. Most people live for here. Most, right? They live for that. Paul is saying, I want you to rebel. And I want you to live for all of this. In fact, I'll go even a step further and say that I believe the heart of this house, the heart of this church, the heart of this family from the very beginning has been about making this time, this time so, so impacting and so life-changing that our time here makes this crowded. Let's make heaven crowded. Let's rebel. Let's not be comfortable anymore. We've gotten too comfortable. Let's stretch ourselves again. Let's give generously again. Let's serve extravagantly again. Let's talk to our neighbors with the same passion that we once did about Jesus. Let's express love to people in the hurting like we once did. Let's, let's come back to focusing this to be about that. Let's live backwards. And you know what's crazy about living that way? I'll just share you a quick promise from the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first this part, right? Seek first the kingdom. And all these other things that we can so worry about and be concerned about as a believer, the promises will actually be added unto you. How awesome is that? That if I seek the kingdom first and I just chase it down and I push and I rebel and I chase it down, that all these other things that I'm worried about will actually come chase me down and overtake me. Are you thankful as a believer that that's the promise? Are you thankful for, for the, come on, are you thankful tonight that the Bible says, if I seek first, all these other things will be added unto me? Listen, promotion is awesome. Success is awesome. God doesn't say, don't, don't, don't have money. He says, don't let money have you. There's a difference. So I'm not, I'm not saying here, don't, don't be successful. It's just don't let the success have you to a place where you're conforming and you're not living generously and you're not giving Jesus glory for what he's doing in your life. Can you just stand to your feet with me tonight? No one looking around or no one just, just putting your stuff away real quietly. Just keeping this attitude of worship today. Rebel. I want to pray. And I just believe God is speaking in all our locations. I believe God is speaking very specifically to you in an area where you need to rebel again. I felt like my role in the middle of this series is just to come in and stir your faith again, church, and just get us back to the roots of it all and the roots of Christianity. I don't want to live comfortably. I don't want my day to be filled with all these other things. And I miss my opportunities to love people and to serve and to give. I want to be on a rescue boat. And rescue boats at times are not very comfortable, are they? 
But I tell you what's pretty amazing is when one person gets on and the next person gets on and the next person gets on and you have each other to lean on and have each other to go through the rocky moments together and the highs and the lows, but you stay on mission. Can you bow your heads? Let me pray for you all over every location today. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you that we're all really at the same playing field today. And I thank you that your grace is enough. And I thank you that you're speaking very privately and very focused to each person here under the sound of my voice. And I thank you that you're pushing us to rebel. You're bringing us back to this idea of not conforming, but seeking first your kingdom and trusting you that all these other things that we can get wrapped up in and worry about and have so much anxiety over that we can let go of those things, seek you, and actually watch those things come after us. So we, as believers, come to a place of rest again today, trusting you, surrendering all to you. And I thank you, Lord, that you are stirring up a new spirit of generosity in this church, a new, new spirit of service, a new spirit of love for the next chapter that you're writing in this church family. I thank you, Lord, that there is going to be a new zeal and a new passion and a new desire to go to the uncharted and to blaze new trails. And every person here has a unique fit and a unique part to play. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask a very serious question as we just maintain this attitude of worship today. With everyone bowing their heads, no one looking around, I just want to ask you a very serious question about eternity in your life, and that's, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I'm not talking about just attending church, though that's awesome. And I'm not talking about your grandma's faith, your mom's faith. I'm asking you about your faith. Have you received Jesus Christ into your life to be your personal Lord and Savior? See, what I love about Jesus is he's an absolute gentleman. He'll never force himself into anyone's life. He'll simply knock, waiting, knocking. And I believe he's knocking on some hearts today. And you have the opportunity to let him in because he wants to make his home of love into your heart and begin to transform you from the inside out and lead you into this life of purpose that he designed for you before you were born. You want to step in, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter where you come from, you belong long before you ever learn to behave. That is the essence of the gospel. So when I count down from three, when I get to one, if you just boldly say, yeah, that's me. I'm trying to find peace and purpose and, and hope in everything else but Jesus. I've tried everything. I've tried the clubs, I've tried partying, I've tried girls, I've tried money, I've tried success. And Yes, those things make, make me happy for a moment. At the end of the day, I, feel, I still find myself empty. No peace. Friend, I can tell you, God has you here today for a reason. And it's to receive the love and the grace and the peace that can only be found in Him. And you will be awakened to your purpose here on this earth. Three, no one looking around. Two, if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you want peace to reside in your life, and you want purpose, one, I want you to put your hand up real high all over this place. Yep, hands are going up. Anyone else? Hands are going up in the front. Hands are going up in the back. All locations, if you want to receive Jesus today as your personal Lord and Savior, you want to receive grace, you want to receive purpose, you want to receive peace that this world can't offer you. Amazing. 
Now, church, we're going to do something together. With every hand that is up, staying up, the rest of us and all of us together, let's repeat this simple prayer of faith after me and repeat it with passion and with boldness and with conviction. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I stand before you today and I ask you to forgive me of all my mistakes and all of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life and wash me clean. Today I choose to surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks, can we celebrate every single new beginning in this room and in every room, in every location right now? Come on, the Bible says when one person says yes and comes home, a party erupts in heaven. Let's join heaven right now because there are so many in this room that said yes to Jesus. I remember the moment I did, and I love seeing hands come up. God's got a new beginning if you lifted your hand, or even if you didn't, but you prayed that prayer, get ready. You're in store for an incredible journey, an incredible ride. Get planted in this house. Get around people that are going to pull you towards God and not away from Him, and watch God do immeasurable, beyond what you could possibly ask, think, or imagine in your life. Is there anyone else that can testify to say, God has done that in my life. He's done more than I could ask, think, or imagine. Can you just clap or shout wherever you're at and let them know, get ready. It's going to be good. Hey, listen, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for allowing me to come and just stir it up a little bit today. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be a part in a, in a small way of what God is doing here. I can't wait to come back and see what you guys are pioneering and the areas you are trailblazing here in this city. I love you. God bless you. Worship team's going to come and they're going to worship a little bit longer. Respond and keep the conversation with God going. God bless you. Thanks for having me tonight.